everyone. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and we're talking Manhattan, and uh, we're we're in the sixth sixth week here, Johnny, of the coronavirus. And by it the just, way, it just keeps going. It's going to keep. It's going to keep going for a few more a few weeks more because we're going to May fifteenth now. Hopefully, that's the the, the true restriction ease. That would be great if we could wind it down by then. But my guess is it'll go longer. But uh, you know, it's every day brings new news. So let's just yeah. keep going with what we got. And I wonder what it's going to be like when that happens. I wonder, I wonder if it's going to just be eased and everyone's like, hey, yeah, whatever, I'm still staying here and doing my thing, or if it's going to be like, again, that light switch. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, in the meantime, uh, we're posting all of our content here on Urban Digs, um, on our Urban Digs channel on YouTube. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so this is where you go to see all that kind of stuff. But listen, John, I want to talk about a couple of points real quick, okay, before we get started with our, with our great guest, Scott, here, okay? Um, number one, inventory is way, 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 way down. And this was at 6,600 when we started and that's just above 5,071 now, it's about to break the 4,000 barrier. Yeah. Um, if I scroll down, look at off market, 4,877. Yeah. Look at supply, 5,071, okay? And I know that there's more listings going off market than there is coming on market. We might see something I've never seen before and we might see off market cross active inventory. So that's one, one interesting thing to think about. And if you're a buyer out there, um, yeah, you got negotiations. Yeah, you got a dislocated window. We'll talk about that. But you have a lot less options. And uh, of those less options, how many, how many sellers are going to hit that bid, right? Now, let, right, me just, right. let me just switch over here real quick to, to my search. I want to show you contract sign. I want to show you something else now, the other side of the coin, okay? How many deals were signed since the no-showing order, okay? March 20th, 286. Usually that should be much higher. It should be probably at like a thousand or something like that. But 286 is how many deals? Corona, Corona deals, right? Now right. here's the thing. Here's the point. There's a lag between offer accepted and contract signing. Mm -hmm. And I want to put out a statement. I want to say that, that we're in a dislocation period. And that period, we're probably six, seven weeks into that dislocation period already. So we're, we're mid, hopefully midway through it, or if not going close to the end. And that dislocation period will last a number of months. I don't know how long. And within that dislocation period, there's going to be different sectors of, of more acute severity and higher fear. And I think that, that mid-March to end of March, March 15th, 16th, 17th, I think the lows of the stock market were March 13th. The numbers were much, much worse back then. We didn't get equipment to hospitals. We've had some good news since then in terms of the yield flattening, the hospitals getting what they need, and the stock market recovering a little bit. So I think we're in a dis dislocation period right now, but I don't think the level of fear is as acute as it was three, four weeks ago, okay. right? So if you think about those deals that were signed March 15th, you know, 18th, 20th, et cetera, it takes two weeks or so to sign those deals, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, that means that the true Corona deals are more like the last couple of weeks. So when I go look at this, that's 286 since March 20th. When I go look at this now, in the last two weeks alone, okay, how many contracts were signed? 95. Yeah. So that's more representative. And we're on like a weekly pace of 47. That's more representative of like this true, like, because it basically says that the residual deals, the residual deals that were in play yeah, before. Cleared out of the pipeline, yeah. Exactly. And that's starting to fade right now. And now we're starting to get to the period of the non, there's still some residual there, but, but less so. And that's my point. So we're starting to get into that period over the next few weeks where we're going to kind of see the no showings. Right. Orders. And, and, and I think if I could make one point here, which is that, as you say it, and as we think about this stuff, it makes total sense, right? I mean, we're seeing off market creep up, we're seeing supply creep down, and everyone gets it. But 
in six months, nine months, we're going to be looking back on deals that were signed now and it's all over the place. And we're going to be looking at what supply was and what the you know, demand was contract signed. It's going to be all over the place. And you're going to forget the environment, the thought process that you had right now when everything kind of made sense. So if you're listening, please just make some notes, just kind of keep track, make, keep, keep a diary of like how, how this is playing out uh, with your business, just kind of, you know, what you're thinking, because it'll come in extremely handy when you try to look back and remember these times and explain it to clients on both sides, the buy side and the sell side. And that is exactly the point before we get to Scott, that's exactly the point to take away from this is that these deals are not going to be closed for four to six months minimum, which means we're not going to get this until August, September, October, just like you said. And when we get that dislocation, where are we going to be then? We're going to be in a totally different place. So again, you're in that window right now. It's just, we're not going to get price discovery for a long time. So that lies ahead. In one sense, we can predict the future and say in four, six months from now, the, the numbers will be brutal. Right. So. Well, let's put price discovery on hold. Let's talk about expert discovery. Yes. With that, I'd like to introduce Scott Harris. Hello. Brown I'm Harris. Here. Brown Asian Harris, Asian. superstar. <laughs> Thanks for Thank having you for me, joining guys. Us, Scott. Thank you. Scott, please do, do me a favor. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, and then get right into what you're seeing out there. Sure. So, uh, Scott Harris, uh, I'm at Brown Harris Stevens. I've been at Brown Harris since 2007, and I've been uh, a real estate agent in Manhattan since 2003. Um, so I moved over about four years after I started, um, focused on the Upper West Side, a lot of high-end real estate there, Upper East Side, and uh, I run a team called the Harris Residential Team at Brown Harris Stevens in our Lincoln Center office, and, um, and, and have a ball. We have a great time, and we really love what we do, and um, I see what we're doing in real estate brokerage. Really, I, I think it's sacred, helping people find home, and finding home that really represents who they are is a big deal. And, uh, and right now is a really, it touches on that kind of stuff in a more open way than it usually does. Right. So, so, so let me ask, Scott, what, what are you seeing out there right now in terms of, you know, what's going on with your buyers and your sellers? Um, I've been calling it the great pause. You know, for the first few weeks, people were just trying to sort out their home life, adjusting to uh, what it means to have virtual learning with their kids, adjusting to work life at home. And now, like, I think it's exactly what you guys were talking about, that people are kind of coming out of just getting themselves sorted mm -hmm. to start. They look up and they're like, wait a minute, if I really am looking for what's next for my home, uh, we're starting to have more conversation um, around it. And people are starting to think about what is next for them. They're not hunkered down, focused on the moment. They're actually thinking, okay, well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So I think that I'm very optimistic about like you said, you know, that, that the fear factor is not as present in the conversations as it was um, a few weeks ago. Hey, Scott, have, have you um, been lucky enough to have any deals over the last three or four weeks? Um, oh, my God, we're just killing it every day. No, it's, um, it's it, we, we have had some not deals. Not April 1st. That's not going to work here. I know, right? Um, it's, it's Earth Day, Scott. Come on. We have yes. to be responsible. It's earth. We've, we woke up, we meditated, and now we're talking about the market uh, and right. the world and how we're connected to it. Um, we had a couple of deals that were like, you know, some buyers who bought sight unseen just with virtual tours that started before everything went, uh, you know, went sideways with, with being sheltered in place. Um, we've had, so we had a contract signed, um, but right now it's, you know, our, we haven't had, we've had a lot of offers or a conversation about offers um, and things are still in process and okay. it's still too early to be seen if things are going to get in a contract or transact. 
Right. So let me ask you about those offers. And I'm curious if you've seen this on, on your buy side as well. Are, are these offers coming in significantly below the last asking price or, or on the flip side, do you have buyers that are trying to take a little on the opportunistic side here? You know, I'll answer it in this way, John. In, in, you know, in an ideal world, we're positioned, I'm positioning myself as an advisor with my buyers. You know, mm -hmm. I'm saying this is what I recommend. You know, this is how we're going to get a deal done. We're thinking about co-op boards, how co-op boards are going to react. We're trying to put all the pieces together to come up with a, with a summary of why we make a recommendation of a certain offer price. When a seller comes in today, I don't want to encourage them to uh, think that they're going to get these screaming deals right now. And so sometimes buyers are saying, I really want to see something, you know, at a certain price, which I don't think is a constructive way to start a conversation. So yes, and that's a long way of saying some people want to put in low ball offers yeah. and I'm not always on, you know, in favor of that. Um, I just think it starts everything on the wrong foot. I right, think let's, measured, let's, measured. Let's delve into that for a second. So, so I'm a buyer, all right? I'm a buyer of yours and, and uh, I find a property and it's, and it's a virtual thing. And I want to bid 30% below. You tell me it's worth a million. I want to bid 700,000. Right. Okay, let's say they're asking one, one. Yeah. And you say it's worth a million. Uh, I want to bid 700, 750. What, do you, what, do you, what are you saying to me? Well, you know, look, it, as you well know, as you well know, the market is segmented, you know, significantly, whether we're talking new development, condos, co-ops. Um, so the conversation is very different depending on what we're talking about. Um, in a co-op situation, no co-op board is approving a 40, 50% below asking price. So it's like a pointless piece of it. Um, we sort of map out, there is a bit of unknown. Are we going to put in lower offers than we would have seven weeks ago? Yes. But I, I think if, if somebody's coming in and we can talk about the offers we re we've received as listing agents, um, it, the conversation is almost DOA. It's almost dead on arrival when these offers come in too low. And so... Yeah. And, and certainly brokers will come in, I'm really sorry, I'm presenting this low offer, but I, you know, I don't know what the conversation they're having behind the scenes. Maybe the broker's like, let's just throw in low offers and see what we get. But I think for the brokers who've been around for a long enough time, the people we know, um, I think they're, they're having intelligent conversations behind the scenes. Maybe they're looking at your site, they're getting some more market intelligence up today and getting more of that. Hey Scott, is it safe to say that most buyers are submitting low bid offers and that most of them are not being accepted. I mean, I see it in the numbers. I see very few deals, obviously, but I'm just, I just want to clarify this because I'm, I'm giving a narrative out there that, hey, buyers, listen, you're putting in those bids, but the sellers, they ain't hitting them. Yes, I think that's right. I think there is a ton of, uh, you know, uh, stillborn offers happening. Mm -hmm. I think there's, you know, we're seeing offers where things just come out. You're like, that is just not a, a conversation starter and I and I, I think that people are testing people as normal people come in from other parts of the country and they're like I'm all cash I'm coming in strong and it's low and right. like most times in Manhattan sellers like shrug go, okay fine I'm well capitalized I've got enough runway to carry this through what would maybe a few more weeks of dislocation and mm -hmm. we'll see how it shakes out but so I, I think ultimately these these um Low percentage of these offers are being strongly considered. Yeah, and, and you just brought up something which is also interesting. I'm just curious because I know you have a lot of experience on the new development front, and I'm curious um, if you've been in contact with any developers uh, on, on this side, you know, kind of with, with where they are, uh, and if you're seeing any deals in that segment. 
So, you know, I'll answer it this way. Uh, I'm seeing some things where this cycle is very different than the last cycle. I mean, Noah, you all, and John, you've been doing this for a long enough time to see. Last time, the developers were less uh, well capitalized. They didn't have as deep pockets. They had a, a less diversified uh, investor base. Um, you're seeing developers who I think can weather this a little bit better. Um, some won't, but like you can take an example, something like a waterline square that has three buildings. One of them I hear is going to convert fully to rental. Um, and they're going to, so they're going to take it out of the, you know, completely off the table as a conversation and restructure. And maybe those, you know, as investors, maybe they make less money, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for their investors, but they're going to come out. Okay. Somebody like a related, they're going to do fine. Even yeah. though Hudson Yards may not be selling as, as well as they want, they're going to come out. Okay. I think those buildings that maybe were having a tough time before, uh, are going to have an even tougher time. You know, we're having some internal conversation about what it looks like, which buildings you want to bet on, um, yeah. which ones you think are not. But in terms of offers, I think that a lot of new development was overpriced before and they were constrained by their lenders. And mm -hmm. so I think maybe their internal conversations with their lenders are going to be more open. And I think we'll see, uh, we'll see more deals happening going forward. Yeah. You know, I wonder, and I don't want to spend, I don't want to, dwell too much on this, but I'm just curious, you know, a lot of the new development sector was sort of in this perilous state to begin with. Uh, and I'm, you know, a lot of the conversation we had, you know, here on Urban Digs last couple of years was that, you know, there are some of these developers that are sort of uh, not sitting well with their lenders. And at some point they're just going to have to liquidate or go rental or, or something's going to happen. And I'm curious, I'm wondering if this is one of the side effects that there could be so much stimulus coming out of this, that it could almost be a lifeline for a lot of these guys. And so a lot of that quote unquote new development, inventory problem, maybe that gets put on the shelf for a couple of years as these guys uh, suddenly get an influx of cash. I don't know if that's, I'm just throwing that out there. It could be, could be something. I'm curious to hear what you, you might think of that crazy idea. Yeah. I, I certainly think that, that, you know, looking at how developers have, have um, found liquidity, but, you know, in foreign markets, you know, you can look at examples like Extel who've gone and raised money in, 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 in the Israeli stock exchange. There's a lot of, liquidity options for those guys, even if they end up diluting, you know, and, and hurting value. I don't think any investor in new development is going to be unhappy that they get made mostly whole after this. Right. But um, I mean, the only thing I can really say with certainty is that if you don't have a construction loan, there's probably, you know, there's not going to be as much new inventory coming on as a result. So I think whatever the prices are where new development sells, I think they'll have a little bit more of an open playing field to get what's on the market absorbed. Gotcha. But, um, you know, I'm really, I, you know, I'm looking at resales as where the value really lies right now. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what sectors, I mean, resale, I mean, I, I was, I was thinking the contrarian play is, is new developments right now, because if, you know, I, I liked new developments before because they were kind of like the hardest hit sector. And I thought there was the, the highest amount of negotiability and discounts for, for, for new deals. Um, I mean, what are they doing right now? You know, but I, everyone's waiting for something to fall, a domino to fall and some big news to come out and it just doesn't happen. And I'm wondering if, if you're going to see it. And you were talking about conversions to rentals. So there might be options or access to liquidity. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, just to, to put a, you know, put a bow on it for John, I, I really think that developers are smart, savvy, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, I think they'll come up with some interesting solutions for the most part. You know, I, I just think the, I don't think it's not that you're not going to find good deals or, mm -hmm. um, but I, I just think 
on a one-to-one -one basis as we talk with sellers, I just think sellers have not been as open on the resale market to negotiability in the last two or three years. And yeah. I think they'll finally, if they're really ready for what's next, and that's all we're focused on is, you know, helping buyers and sellers focus on what's next for them and how to, how to make that happen. Um, I think sellers are very open to, you know, a lot of people are, are uh, retiring and they're selling, they're downsizing, they're moving to their, their home out of the city right. and buyers still want to be there. The market is like, I want to say that buyers have been priced into the market already prior to everything happening with COVID. I think a lot of buyers are going to find opportunity and sellers are now open. So I was expecting big sales volume growth in this year. Mm -hmm. And obviously we've had a pause, you know, to, to say the least, but I, I actually think buyers are going to, if you want to be in New York, right? Let me, let me just, uh, somebody I had a conversation yesterday and, and they said, well, gosh, who's going to ride the subway after all this? And you know, the answer is New Yorkers are going to ride the subway. We yeah. ride the subway after nine 11 and we're going to figure out how to do it. And if you're not a, a New Yorker and everyone's from everywhere else, but you come here and you plant yourself, and you want to be in New York, you're going to find a way. And I think that People want to be here. And so ultimately, I think if buyers have felt like, gosh, there hasn't been the value there after this with mortgage rates still being low and inventory being available, I think it's going to be a win for them. And not only that, but we, we were, I mean, we were coming off the bottom of a five-year progressive decline since the, yeah. the peak of 2015 cycle. Um, let's not forget where we came from. Um, and if you're a buyer, you, the, that, that's the primo spot to buy. I mean, you don't want to buy on the way down. You want to buy when we're stabilized and just about to come back. That's and right. That's exactly where we were. We were just about to come back, but we didn't turn the corner yet. And that's when this hit and you went right back down again. So I, I want to say one thing right now, because you guys are, you know, it's very data driven and I love it. I could talk numbers all day and I love it. But the one thing that I, I tell my, my team and I tell my, my uh, you know, we talk about regularly is that just I've never had a client ever buy an apartment just because it was a good deal. Mm -hmm. They have to love it. And so foundational, even under all of your numbers, which are important, right. it's about home. And maybe yeah. if it's about investment, it still has to feel right to them. And yeah. then you layer on all the reasons and the numbers that might make sense. And yes. Hey, listen, listen, great, I, I, great I, bought my, I bought my place. I signed my contract after 9-11. I, bought, I signed my contract in October 2001. I was scared out of my mind. Everyone told me I was crazy. They were, they were evacuating buildings. Uh, and, and all I knew, I didn't know. I knew the market got hit. I didn't know how much exactly um, because there was no numbers back then. But all I knew is that I found a place that was perfect. There you I go. loved my apartment that I had. And yeah. I loved the terrace of it. And, and, I, and I think I just want to go back to your point, Scott, because I mean, exactly what you know, the, the intersection between what you and Noah are talking about is that I mean, look, and it, you, you had a great quote earlier, which is that buyers have been priced in, and I completely agree with that. But the, the key is, yeah, you've been priced in, but now how are you, the buyer has to walk into the place and see it. And, you know, after the numbers, they're like, oh, this is it. It feels right. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's the, the shape of the entrance or the length of the hall or whatever, right. some intangible thing. How are you dealing with, the, with your clients in sort of this virtual world where that is just, that, that sensory element is, is removed? Right. We've been, we've been laughing about it. Um, I, we've been preparing, you know, virtual tours and getting, I mean, being very creative, getting like the super to shoot a video, getting a neighbor to shoot a video. And then I'm doing these voiceovers 
And I've just, I'm like, maybe I need like Motley Crue music or Van Halen or, or something to like spice it up. You walk into an apartment and you're silent. It's like you're walking into the cloisters. It's right. ridiculous. And, and in fact, one time I was doing the voiceover and I said, I feel like I'm doing golf commentary. <laughs> you know, like yeah. he's walking into the room. He's looking, you know, it was like, right. I just, it cracked me up. And that's not how people look at apartments. Um, look, I, I, do I think 5G might change the way we're, we're not talking about virtual reality tours. Yeah. We're talking about virtual tours. And it's not, it is sensory wise, a little bit of a challenge. How does the floor feel? How does it feel to turn a knob? You know, you don't get that through these virtual tours. Yeah. And so, look, we're, we're uh, to a degree a little bit handicapped. And I think the commentary and the way that we, like I say, I'm going to give you a tour and we're going to talk as if I'm with you. I'm just going to talk about it as we go. I'm going to tell you the little, the non-details of the apartment, like where it is, what parks are here. I did a deal here and this is what it's like. Try to recreate the sales process right. while you're with a buyer because that's what they're feeling as they come in. They look here. Oh, what comes to mind when you're talking about a particular part of the apartment. So right. I try to extend, extend that uh, virtually somehow that experience. Hey, listen, we're running out of time, but I got, I got sure. a question I want to ask you. Are you, sure. are you meeting new sellers right now, Scott? Are you going on sell side pitches? Or um, are you, obviously virtually? Right. Um, we've had a little bit of conversation about it. Sellers, uh, I think, are much more, uh, they're sort of, they get it. They get where we are. Um, we're, we're doing a little bit of, of, you know, conversation around it, but not like a straight, not a straight up uh, pitch uh, in the traditional sense of it. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of that. And then the question is, um, you know, how are we, how are we um, doing business development right now? It's, it's, an, it's a conversation we want to be thoughtful to, yeah. uh, you know, and sensitive to. Right, right, yeah. right. But I mean, so, so those sellers are pretty much choosing to wait, it sounds like, right? We're just not, we're, people are kind of in a wait and see mode. I mean, it's yeah. overwhelming. They're like, gosh, I was about to move or getting ready to move and now this. Um, imagine if you put your apartment on the market and then a week later this happened. It's got to, you, emotionally, you're already stressed. This yeah. is a stressful time when, uh, for sellers. Well, not uh, only that, let's say, let's say you had a, got a contract done and then your building said no move-ins, move-outs for the next month. Right. I mean, we we can talk about you know, how how deals are happening, how people are holding money in escrow until they're able to move in. There, there, people are coming up with lots of creative ways to get closings done. Um, we've had one deal kind of go sideways because the guy's business totally fell apart, and he's like, maybe it's better for me to have some liquidity right now. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, that's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Well, in a stressful time, there, there there are some good things that you can do, and I know that you launched your spring clean challenge. Okay, yes. and I'm gonna give you a quick plug here because we're getting towards the end here. Sure. Um, talk Thanks. about that and, and tell how it's good energy of, of, of what agents can do and a good cause going forward. Sure, so the Spring Clean Challenge emerged. I, I said, well, everybody's, anybody who's sheltering in place in Manhattan is like, you know, maybe clawing up the walls. What can I do to clean my, clean my apartment out? Creating a bunch of things for donating. That's what Spring, that's what spring Cleaning is. Mm -hmm. um, I spoke with the CEO of Goodwill, New Jersey, New York, and in her words, they are desperate for donations. And then right now the retail locations are all closed. So it's a real challenge. So what do we, we called, I, it occurred to me, let me call all the moving companies I know. Every single one said, yes, I'm in. 
I'll donate my time, and we've created a website that you can see, Spring Clean Challenge, where you can schedule a pickup, and we're coordinating moving companies to bring their trucks around, which are like empty streets, mm -hmm. make a ton of pickups, and bring it to the warehouse where Goodwill can do its work, which after all of this is done, it's a workforce training. So what their, their mission is totally, it's aligned with what's gonna be really needed right now. And look, brokers live in lots of buildings, they're broker experts, they know the buildings. If we can consolidate, get a ton of people's stuff cleaned out, it's gonna help people stay sane in this time. And it's gonna do good. This is a fantastic, Terrific. fantastic idea. It's a fantastic, fantastic cause. And you know what? There, there, there will be rewards at the end of the day for this. I know this is not about the rewards, but at the end of the day, there will be rewards. And this is, you know, you think you do good things, and this is fantastic, and I love it. Thank you so much, Scott Harris, for joining us. You've been awesome. I appreciate I'm, it. Yeah, thank Please you. Stay safe out there. Um, and this is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan. And before I go, guys, we are a community. And as a community uh, agents, we got to talk with each other. We got to stick together, all right? And so what we did is we created a forum. We have a link on our blog, say our forum. And we're talking about all these different discussions on the forum. Me, John, and we have a few other experts on the side. So if there's any intel that you have that you want to share that we can, that other agents can get use out of, or if there's any questions you have for us, this is a great venue to do it. All right, in the meantime, stay safe out there, and we'll catch you next time. You guys are great. Thank you.